look at it through that remote lens and go, how do we need to change? Because you can't just have the same culture and just say, okay, everyone's working at home now. That doesn't right. work. You have to really re-architect the way that you're doing business because it's very different. It's not the same as, as being an in-person company. You are listening to Running Remote, a podcast about building and scaling effective distributed teams. Join us as we dive inside the minds and processes of CEOs, managers, nomads, and dynamic entrepreneurs who are building impactful businesses and organizations through this new and innovative movement. They've thrown out the traditional rules and business textbooks and are actively finding new ways of organizing their teams, driving productivity, and scaling their growth. I'm your host, Stephanie Burns. Today's episode is brought to you by Running Remote, the world's largest remote work conference held in beautiful Bali, Indonesia. Check out the speaker lineup at runningremote.com and get 20% off your conference ticket for being a Running Remote podcast listener. Simply use coupon code IRUNREMOTELY and your 20% discount is automatically applied. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Running Remote Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Burns, and today I have with me Lucy Soros, the CMO of Articulate. Welcome, Lucy. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. Glad to be here. We are so excited to talk to you today, but before we jump in and talk about your remote teams over at Articulate, I wanted to hear a little bit more about you and your career. Can you give us a synopsis? Sure. I, it's it's actually a good intro into Articulate because I, I really never thought I would work at a company again. Before I joined Articulate, I had very I'd held various marketing sort of in PR positions throughout my career. And then I decided, I think it was like 2000-ish, to go out on my own. So I was a marketing consultant for 10 years and you know worked with some really great big brands, Autodesk, PayPal, um, American Express, and just loved that work. And I loved the freedom it gave me to work from home. And I loved setting my own schedule. And I had, you know, young kids, and it just was sort of an ideal way for me to work. And, you know, I'm a bit of an introvert. So I like getting into my flow and my own space. It was just really the best way for me to work. And then Articulate became one of my clients. And I thought, wow, I actually might be able to work for this company. Like this might be the only company on earth I could work for again. Wow. Yeah, it was a really positive experience. And I was actually hired on as like, the first real marketing person at the company after it had been in, let's see, it was 2011. So it was nine years after the company had started. Wow. So give us an overview of what Articulate does. So we make software apps and some other and content and services that make it really easy for any company or organization to create online courses. And you kind of think about it as sort of like Photoshop on steroids. So it's it's the ability for anyone really, I mean, you could pick up our apps and tools and create a course that had a lot of interactions, had video, had multimedia, you know, and you could customize things. You could build something that was a very interactive experience, sort of anything you can imagine, but you could do it without a whole lot of know-how and training. So it really opened up, our software has really opened up the world of online training and made it accessible to companies of all sizes and really made it easy for companies to take their training from in-person, very expensive training into, um, into the online world. So we've kind of helped that transition for the industry. Very cool. And so does Articulate mostly work for online marketers that are doing their own courses or is this for enterprise solutions where they're doing in-house training or is it both? 
Most of our customers, I mean, we have, I think it's 93 of the Fortune 100 as customers. So these are companies that they have big training departments. Most of our customers are over like 250 employees. So they have training departments where they have to do training on OSHA requirements, sexual harassment, or just like sales training, like they're rolling out a new product. Like how do you keep your sales force, your employee force, how do you keep them up to date and trained in a way that's scalable and cost effective? So these companies use our tools to create that training, that online training that can be taken by any employee anywhere. They have a phone or tablet or computer or whatever. They can take this training wherever they are. Very cool. So let's dive in and talking about the remote aspect of Articulate. Yeah. Is your internal team fully remote? Yes. So we actually, Adam Schwartz, who's our founder and CEO, he started the company in 2002 and it's been remote from the beginning. So we have never had a physical office. We do not have any place that's physical. that uh, we every single person works out of their home or a co-working space up to them. So we've been remote from the very beginning and, and everyone on the team is. So how come that decision was made? So I think, you know, he bootstrapped this company. It's really unique in the sense that he's built a very, very successful company just, you know, with his own seed money, basically. So we've had a lot of, which has given us a lot of freedom to do what we think is right by our customers and by the company and employees. And so when you're bootstrapped, he was in New York. So like, let me go get a, you know, Manhattan office. That was one thing, just the necessity of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the other thing was he had this idea for this technology that he thought would really transform the training industry, which it did, but he needed, he's not an engineer. So he needed some, some experts. He needed a SWF file format expert and an office object object model expert. Like these are very specific skill sets he needed and he wanted to get the best talent he possibly could. So he literally like scoured the world and ended up with one guy from India and one guy from Missouri. And, and he was in New York. So it really like, it reinforced this idea of like, Oh, I can get the best talent by basically having the world at my feet versus being like, Oh, I need to find someone in New York who can do this, even though New York is obviously has a lot of talent there, but still the people he needed weren't there. Right. And so what kinds of advantages do you think having a remote team is and how many people are on your team? We are about, well, total headcount is around 185 right now in the U.S., it's about 130, a little over 130 today, but we're growing. So yeah, and when I started in 2011, we had about 50 folks. So, you know, we've had good organic growth, periods of higher growth, and then sort of tailoring off while we do the next thing and then high growth again. So, but it's all been very good. So I actually think, I think folks, companies that transition actually from being not remote to to remote have a harder time because their cultures aren't set up to be remote. Because I do think having a remote culture, a remote model really impacts culture from the get-go. So for us, that the way that's manifested is that there's this high focus on productivity. We don't know if you're working because we don't see you in your chair. Like the only way we know you're working is if you produce, mm. like you're producing work products. So there's always been this high focus on productivity because how do you know that the guy you just hired or the woman you just hired is actually being productive and is worth you know the money you're paying them unless you actually see the work products. So that's just from the get-go that's been a thing um, very important to us. Another thing is that you get a self-selecting employee base, people who are self-motivated, they're self-driven, and that in and of itself fosters this very mature culture where people take responsibility for themselves and their work. There's also this element of, you know, being in a remote culture, it really demands trust, like Mm -hmm. because you can't see people and walk by their desk 
to check in and what they're doing. You have to trust that people are doing their part until they prove they don't, you know, or they're not. Right. So it creates a sort of intimacy, you know, that it's a work intimacy, obviously, but it, it creates the sense of reliance on each other that I think that is not the same, maybe if you work with people in person. And then the other two major things that I would say have been greatly impacted by being remote are that in order to function well as a company, when you're remote, you have to be very, very intentional about your communication and about your collaboration. It doesn't just happen by accident or because you just bumped into someone, you know, it takes, you know, communication takes effort. So it's more intentional. So we never assume someone's heard something at the water cooler. So we're always thinking about how we're communicating and we're always evolving how we do it better and better. So I think that our communication keeps getting better, but it's always been good because we have to be so intentional about it. And then the same thing goes for collaboration. You know, when I joined the company, I was shocked at how collaborative it was. I'd never been in an environment. Yes. I had never been in an environment where there was such such intense collaboration. Wow. And it was kind of mind-blowing to me that this remote company was so much better at collaboration. And again, I think it's because it has to be so intentional. You have to plan it. You need to discipline to make it happen. So it's much more thoughtful than accidental. I think about kind of the ways that that remote situation has has kind of formed our culture. I think those are the, the, those are the key ways. What are some of the challenges that you've faced? The biggest one is basically not seeing each other very often in person. You know, there's really no substitute for face-to-face time. It's very important in building relationships and building on that trust. So we've done... Over the years, I think we've gotten better and better at sort of combating this challenge. We do video calls, so all of our all of our meetings are video. We use Zoom, and that's helped a lot because it is the next best thing to actually being in the same room with someone. And we do annual work, uh, annual retreat as well. So the whole company—that's the one time every year that the entire company gets together, and we really make it. You know, it's not like a you know, let's meet and talk about our key strategic initiatives for the year. Like we don't do that. It's more about like let's hang out and make connections with each other and really just um, get to know each other better. And it's very, very important thing that we do. It's worked really well. And then the other thing is, you know, in a smaller sort of team setting, um, we do work weeks. So we have a particular project or challenge or something that a team, a smaller team is working on that would be better solved in person because we can, whether it's just like we need focus time, we need three days, you know, to really just focus on this and, you know, not do anything else. We'll do a work week. I'm doing one in a couple weeks, in fact, that is a time for teams to really to build those connections in person and to have that face to face time that's so important. So as I'm doing these, these interviews, and as I'm talking to more people about remote work, and how it impacts their companies, a lot of them do exactly what you're talking about of retreat or these meetups to work on Mm -hmm. projects. And when they do these things, it's not always like you said about, you know, here's the KPIs and here's what we did last year versus this year and all the numbers. It's kind of hanging out and getting to know each other on a personal level. What are some of the tangibles and intangibles that you've seen come out of that kind of connection? Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the tangible things are that it allows folks that aren't in meetings with each other all the time to be exposed to other folks in the company that actually they, it might not be obvious that they should be sort of in communication with this other person, but once they start talking, they realize, 
oh, we actually, like, it would be good for me to know what you're doing on this thing. And it also opens, even though we have an opened, <laughs> open Slack policy, whatever you want to call it, it just, it gives folks a sense of, oh, they can, they've talked to me at the retreat. They can ping me on Slack. It's okay to ping the CMO, you know, like it builds a little bit more rapport so folks feel it just the whole thing place feels more open. You feel like you can kind of put yourself out there a little bit more and take a little bit more risk. And then making those connections, you know, I early on when I came to the company, just actually talking more like to different engineers, it was really helpful for me. I'm like, oh, we should actually be talking more. (laughs) I should be more, I should understand further up like what you're working on. And because there wasn't an obvious like project, we didn't have an opportunity to, to talk. But once you start just talking to folks in an informal way. And then you also discover things that carry over into sort of the communities we build online. So you might be talking to someone about at the retreat about, you know, you're just talking about your latest vacation or the fact that you really love to cook or about your pets. And that's, you know, that spawns like, oh, we should start a Slack channel on that. And then all of a sudden there's a Slack channel on that. And there's a community at the company that's built around that topic. So it's really important sort of this organic creative space for folks to build community. I mean, and and to, to find those commonalities with one another that just strengthens the bonds. And, you know, as you know, when you work with people that you can relate to on a personal level, not the same, you know, we, it's not about being the same, but finding some point of connection, it really, it just opens things up. Everything flows better. So that's been really important. You know, I can, I can see that. And it can even be something as small as, you know, somebody's wearing a Star Wars t-shirt and, oh my gosh, I love Star Wars. And we would have never talked about this before. And it it does create, like you said, more rapport, which probably ends up creating better work because then you're, like you said, you can open up and talk to somebody a little bit more, a little bit more openly, or maybe get more creative on your ideas. Not only that too, I really... I think that, I mean, we, one of the things that we hire for, and we don't tolerate unkind people. So Mm -hmm. you have to be kind to be at the company. You know, it's just, that's just a cultural value of ours. So everyone always like, you know, is helpful to each other. But it really, if when you have some sort of connection with someone, even if it's just a minimal, like I had a five minute conversation, you you feel this sense of not only am I going to go through, you know, an extra mile for this person, I really want to like, I, you know, it just it's creates this, it's almost, you know, like lubrication for the wheel, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like, everyone's like, yes, I want I want you to be successful, just like I want the whole team to be successful, even though you're on a different team. <laughs> right. So it creates, again, it creates a larger sense of community. And like, we're all we have the same purpose that we're working towards. I love that. So tell me what what tools does Articulate use to stay Do productive? <laughs> and committed? Yeah, you know, a lot of people say Slack when you mention Slack, it kind of seems to be the yeah. gold standard for everyone. What other tools does Articulate use? I mean, I'm just, I'll mention just the sort of the mainstays. A lot of teams use a bunch of different teeny little things, but in terms of sort of how we do the work, you know, our engineers use GitHub heavily to host and review code and also for project management. The business side tends to use Trello for project management. Mm -hmm. Slack is where everything happens. We don't use email except with outside folks. Even our close partners will be in our Slack workspace so we can communicate with them on our Slack. And that's really, you know, what we use for asynchronous communication when we're not on a video call. And for video calls, we use Zoom. We've tried Google Hangouts. We've tried Skype. But Zoom, we found, is the best for, I mean, we can hold our 
town hall meetings on Zoom where everyone's on video. You know, it can handle 200 people, almost 200 people wow. that we have. And then Google Apps, everything we do lives in the cloud. Nothing, I don't have anything saved to my desktop. Everything is in the cloud. So Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google Presentations, everything is Google, basically. And what kinds of things do you do specifically to create some culture? Create a, you know, mm-hmm. I know you do your retreats and, and things like that, but are there other specific things that you do at Articulate to create culture among your remote workers? Yeah. So, I mean, besides the annual retreat and our work weeks, black channels play a huge role. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have like, you know, our particulate channel where people post pet, you know, pictures of their pets and <sighs> just talk about their pets or, you know, like food talk channel or music channel or self-care channel. So we do have these different channels where kind of addressing personal life and give folks a sense of team again that's beyond just their their work team like the larger team and then on in terms of work team most teams I've yet to hear of a team at articulate who doesn't have a regular team stand up meetings so these can be one time a week they can be two times a week they can be three times a week sometimes they're every single day so the whole team is getting together on video to go through you know what their day week whatever is and i think that is sort of like the lifeblood of of fostering that sense of team and we're working together for a common goal. And then kind of on the happier side, or not the happier side, but the more um, light side, we do things like virtual happy hours. And my team always does like a Christmas exchange. So it's like a secret Santa kind of thing. I should say holiday exchange. You know, it's a secret gift exchange. You know, everyone's favorite time of year. It's, It's fantastic and fun and funny and all that. And then we also have employee resource groups. So we have a lean in group. Um, We have a better allies group, which is um, folks working to be better allies to, you know, to women, to people of color, that sort of thing. And then, um, and we have, you know, regular like brown bags, the lean in group has a monthly meeting and we have a Slack channel, better allies has a Slack channel and and meet, you know, meetings to talk about different topics. You know, we get like half the company in these things. And then um, we have black articulate network um, employee research group, and we're continuing to sort of foster that, you know, more groups. We do see each other too, in addition to work weeks at conferences and whatnot, but those tend to be smaller sort of bubbles of folks, you know, sales folks and our community managers and our marketing folks. But that also, again, anytime we can be with each other in in person, it really helps foster that, that sense of team. Indeed. So if you had to give a company who was looking into starting up with a remote Mm -hmm. team or transitioning to being a remote team, what advice would you give them? So I'd probably give them different advice depending on whether they were transitioning or whether they were starting up from scratch. So starting up in both cases, I think it's really important, like just with all companies to hire the right people. But I do feel like in remote, sometimes it can take a little longer depending on your culture to assess whether someone's a fit or not. Again, that's why our focus on productivity really helps helps this because mm. it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything from you. Um, <laughs> And in, and in order to hire the right people, the first thing you need to do is really understand who are their, what is the right person? Like, what does success look like for someone at your company or someone at your team? Um, and then making sure you hire people who are set up to achieve that. Our biggest fails have been hiring people that on paper, you know, they look great. They're great pedigrees at big companies. And they were used to operating in like political cultures where there's less of a buck stops here, you know, buck stops with me, you know, get stuff done attitude. So in those kind of cultures, you know, the key to success might have been, you know, about navigating relationships with the right people. Whereas, you know, in our culture, it's really about being productive and focused on doing the work that moves the business forward. So really, you have to understand what that is, understand what it is that is the key to success at your company. What is 
success look like for a person at your company and then really hone in on on looking for folks that fit that. And then if you're so that's just across the board. If you're transitioning to remote, I would say I guess there's different models, right? It's transitioning going from not remote to fully remote and then there's tra- then there's transitioning from going not remote to people can work from home sometimes. <laughs> I think that latter one is actually the harder one to tackle because your culture isn't set up. It's set up as an in-person culture. Like the things, all of the things that make people feel connected and working towards a common purpose and understanding, you know, what someone is doing, it's all set up around being in person. So I think that's really challenging for companies. They tend, I mean, I've heard so many stories of folks going, yeah, I can have, I'm allowed to do half days or on Friday or work from home Friday, but I don't do it very much because kind of look down on it's this sense of like, you're just taking the day off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's really hard to overcome. I think that's really hard to overcome for companies. And I'm not, I don't know. I I honestly don't know. I had, I don't have experience doing that. So I don't know, but I do, I do think that if you're, if you're transitioning from being fully in person to fully remote, I do think you have to really look at what are those elements in your company that are so important for you running effectively and look at it through a remote lens. Okay, we used to do this. We used to communicate this way and have expectations about this kind of behavior from employees. How does that change when being remote? And like be very intentional at looking at all those key elements and look at it through that remote lens and go, how do we need to change? Because you can't just have the same culture and just say, okay, everyone's working at home now. That doesn't work. Right. You have to really re-architect the way that you're doing business, because it's very different. It's not the same as, as being an in-person company. What are some of the resources that you would recommend or that you do give your remote workers at Articulate to make sure that, you know, working from home or from wherever they want to work from is successful for them? Part of it is that we pay a lot of attention to onboarding. And this is something, frankly, we've gotten better at over the years. Mm -hmm. It used to be kind of like, throw you in sink or swim. And if you figure it out, you're good, you know, but now (laughs) we're, now we, now we're much more intentional about onboarding folks. So, you know, our Trello boards for onboarding folks are huge, like a four week onboarding. And this is the first week. This person is introduced to all of our systems. They're introduced to all the teams. They're introduced to how we do things. It's a very systematic walkthrough of how you are successful at the company and how we do things here and and what you can expect. So I think that that in and of itself and then pairing people up, we you know some teams do this more than others, but I'm talking mostly about, you know, my team because every team does it. There's commonalities across teams, but you know, each team has the freedom to do what works best for their team, you know. Like an engineering team might pair program with someone for a couple of weeks to get them onboarded. Whereas my team it's, you know, it's this Trello board where we're, you know, pairing you with a buddy and we're introducing you to all the systems and all of this. But the idea overall is to really be intentional about that and making sure folks understand and are sort of slowly introduced to all the different pieces. And in terms of resources, we do a lot of, there's a lot of sharing on Slack around here's for managers, just how do you manage in a remote environment or folks will pass along articles on, you know, this or that, like things to doing with like being productive or whatever. So there's a lot of more informal kind of support around that. You know, when we do tend to hire folks who have some experience working remotely, Mm -hmm. not always, 
but a lot of times it's one of those things like, okay, if you've done this and know how to do this, you're better, you know, it's more likely that you're going to be a fit because you know how to manage your own time. You know, you're comfortable being self-directed. You can be focused at home versus, you know, there's some folks that really have a hard time. Like if they're at home, they're like distracted by all the things they have to do. Right. So we, we kind of screen for that. We prefer folks who have had at least some experience working remotely. And now you can actually do that. <laughs> you know, five, six years ago, like there weren't a lot of people who had that kind of experience, but now yeah. it's getting more common. So definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Lucy. That was really insightful. And um, I loved hearing about all the things that you're doing over at Articulate and your journey through there. And I appreciate all the insights that you've given to our listeners. Awesome. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Stephanie. That's it for this episode of Running Remote. Thanks for joining us as we dive into the minds and processes of CEOs, managers, nomads, and dynamic entrepreneurs who are building impactful businesses and organizations through this new and innovative movement. We're a very small team behind this podcast, so if you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share this episode with a friend. And definitely check us out at runningremote.com. Until next time.